Hello and welcome to the first 2020 Black Love Bites podcast with me, Joy Francis. And me, Patsy Isles. We're recording this podcast from Bush Theatre in West London. The topic, same-sex marriage. The context, The High Table, a hilarious and heartbreaking debut play from Temi Wilkie. So picture this, the dresses are chosen, the venues booked and the RSVPs are flooding in. But Tara's perfect Nigerian wedding to her girlfriend Leah is suddenly derailed when her parents refuse to attend. High above London, suspended between the stars, three of Tara's ancestors are jolted from their eternal rest. Can these representatives of generations past keep the family together? And will Tara's decision ever get their blessing? It gives us, on the back of that wonderful, wonderful anticipatory um, promo, we're not getting paid for this, by the way. <laughs> it, gives us Damn. Great, it, it gives us great pleasure to have the playwright, Temi Wilkie, and actor, Sherelle Skeet, here with us. But before we dive in, let me firstly just sing their praises. So we're going to embarrass them now. So Temi Wilkie is an actor and writer from North London. Her acting credits include Hamlet and Cymbeline for the RSC, Jubilee, Manchester Royal Exchange and Lyric Hammersmith, Manhunt ITV, Years and Years, which I loved, and BBC <laughs> loved that show, and Land Without Dreams, Gate Theatre. Temi is also the co-founder and co-director of PEX, the Drag King Collective, and performed in sell-out runs of their productions at venues including Tate Britain, Soho Theatre, The Yard Theatre. Temi was a member of the Royal Court's Young Writers Group in 2017, which is where she wrote her debut play, The High Table. Now, Cheryl Skeet, what can I say about this amazing actor? I've seen in action more than once. Cheryl is an actor whose theatre credits include King Headley at Stratford East. That was the bomb. <laughs> A Small Place Gate Theatre, Fun Home, Young Vic, The Seagull, and Jack and the Beanstalk, Lyric Hammersmith. Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, Palace Theatre, which is, again, an amazing production. Um, and even The Lion King. Mm. So that's just some of them. Her television credits include Silent Witness, Doctors, Ordinary Lies, and Call the Midwife. Wow. <laughs> so you're not busy, are you? No, busy, Cheryl. So welcome, Temi and Cheryl. Yes, and thank you so much for agreeing to speak to us today. Thanks so I know you're, you're, so what stage are you at now? Because you're in rehearsals yeah, now. Yeah, week four. Deep in rehearsals. Yeah. Deep. Deep, deep, deep. So I'm going to start in a way, I know that we've said that the play, uh, is both heartbreaking and hilarious, which I think, bearing in mind the topic, it also needs to be, and also mm -hmm. reflective of the culture. Um, but, you know, we know that LGBTQ rights aren't recognised in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. There's no legal protection. Mm -hmm. The Same-Sex Marriage Prohibition Act has criminalised same-sex marriage. Yeah. The maximum punishment in the 12 northern states that have adopted Sharia law is death by stone. I mean, it's no, it's not minimal, it's no joke. Mm -hmm. um, so, Temi, Against that backdrop, mm. I mean, why make this the focus of your debut play? Yeah, I think it's the only thing I could write. I don't think um, I don't think you choose what you write about. Mm. They just are what you need to write. Um, and I feel like there are lots of characters who are kind of grappling with that, with that part of their culture mm. and the ways that that conflicts. Like to, to be African and queer, people think is like, oh, I keep forgetting what that word is. It's like... There's a there's a word where where it's like the opposite. It's like it's like a oxymoron. That's, That's it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've literally yeah. Yeah. yeah, two opposites. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess like the the reason I wrote the play is because I am both of those things entirely mm. and wholly. And um, 
and also before um like before west africa was colonized before africa was colonized before nigeria was colonized before it was named nigeria homosexuality was accepted mm. um and so um it's about kind of we addressing the idea that somehow being african and queer is um an oxymoron i guess mm. that like it's not that homosexuality is un-african it's that homophobia is un-african i guess and that's the thing how short our memories are and how despite having access to all the algorithms could ever uh, you could ever imagine that people look at this as if there was never that position mm-hmm. you know most countries isn't it like you say um the role um of queerness was respected almost mm. you know and seen as, as yeah. sacred yeah. and you know and and was seen as seers so mm. yeah um Cheryl, you play tara i do and you know can you say a bit about the character and the challenges she faces as a nigerian queer woman um i think what's really important for her is her being able to like Temi said, be as queer as she is African and mm. the two not being separate, but you know, there's the word that's used in the play that you've written used enmeshed, you know, layered on top of. Mm. And the the whole play is for me is such a representation of the intersectionality of of black of black women and black queerness specifically as well. And um so there's there's this thing of where I feel like she's got her foot in in so many different places and feeling as though that not knowing how to exist um in all of them and that's that's part of her journey of of finding a way through navigating through that even through her relationship with another black woman you know um I think what's great about the play is that um it really kind of highlights the fact that we are not a monolith Mm. that there are so many different ways to be black um and and british as well um which again you know is really really interesting kind of when you look at her in comparison to to like her parents Mm -hmm. and the expectations that's that's put on her which would have been put on them Mm -hmm. and her trying to push back against that you know Mm -hmm. um and some of those expectations faith-based because I'm, you know, obviously mm. looking forward to seeing it's the play. Exactly, but, it's yeah, kind yeah, of like you mm-hmm. kind of questioning where does where is where is the faith where where as in sorry I should use the word religion mm. where does the religion start and where does the culture start or mm. is it both yes. again, you know? Um, and then you know we talk about going back. When did that? When did those two things become one? Mm. Uh, where you can't really um, pull them apart because again, like being. Christian and Nigerian is very different to being Christian and English or, mm. you know, Christian and Filipino, you know, mm. that it comes with its own thing. It's really difficult to pull them apart mm. because then that feeds into the way that, you know, raising children or parenting, mm. all of those things that you were saying before. And it, it kind of, it kind of trickles in and it, it feeds into what her moral compass is as well. Like, even if she does, you know, uh, choose to not, take on Christianity as her faith it's still kind of really important mm. for her because it's where she decides what is right and what is wrong mm. Mm. which is conflicting mm. as mm. being queer because you're like well you straight away you're you've conditioned because you've been taught well then my whole being is wrong mm. yes you know if therefore if this is right and this is wrong in terms of how we see things as being you know very binary in that way mm-hmm. it's like well i am wrong my being is wrong so therefore mm-hmm. i can't i can't exist i can't um 
push through I can't exist I've got to suppress this part of my identity or mm. my being my personality how you describe that almost sounds like the the role that religion plays in terms of the sort of self-policing even of the, I would mm. imagine of the parents mm. where it's almost as they feel they're betraying their faith and actually betraying their children mm. to not adhere to what they believe is the way to be which mm. is binary mm. isn't it so um and that they and and the fact that all eyes it's not just the family's eyes looking at you but the community's mm. the community, eyes looking exactly. at you so it's almost like we do you know okay remember it's about me as a person but all the rituals and the customs and the mores i mean tell me you said that this your reality i mean what did you draw on from your own experience um mm. to to influence the the narrative i mean what did you um i think Probably the play wouldn't have happened. It's uh, funny, I had a phone call with my mum about it um, the other day. That and was one of my questions, yes. actually. Coming up, I said, She said to me when I first came out that she wouldn't come to my wedding if I married a woman. Mm. And um, I don't think I wouldn't have written the play if she hadn't said that. And I remember, mm. like, we spoke on the phone recently about it. And she was like, I feel like maybe, maybe, like, you know, you wrote the play because of me. And I was like, really, mum? Did you, oh, what, like, what, why did you, why did you say that? And she was like, oh, yeah, like, I think maybe what I said about not coming to your wedding. And um, she was like, oh, I sort of wish I hadn't said it now, which is really nice to hear. Mm. I don't know, you know, whether that means that she'd come. Uh, wink, wink, mum. But um, but it was really nice to hear. But I was like, also, if you hadn't said it, then I wouldn't have written a play. And, you know, that's, mm. it's good that I have, so. That's what we do. We take trauma. <laughs> trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, exactly. But it is interesting when you were talking about the intersectionality of, of you know, the characters mm. and this idea about being Nigerian, you know, the religion aspect, but also this black British thing, mm. you know, and actually the play is set here. Mm. And, you know, talking about your mum now sort of saying how sorry she was, you know, about, about having made that comment. Mm. You know, so what do you think... Um, in terms of being here, being Nigerian, being in Britain, how do you think that that affects the way your parents are in terms of accepting? It's interesting because I think it can go both ways. Like I think my family, or at least my mum, felt like my queerness came from being in Britain and she mm, yeah. blamed my queerness on my going to a certain university. <laughs> no, my dad blamed London. Mm. <laughs> Specifically <laughs> London. Because you're from Birmingham, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, 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 yeah. My dad uh, blamed the uni I went to, not my dad, my mum. My mum oh was God, like, if you hadn't gone to that university, then if you'd stayed in London. So it's funny that like your dad blamed London, but like my mum was like, if you'd stayed in London, you wouldn't be queer. Um, so, and but then also that's assuming that if I grew up in Nigeria, I wouldn't be queer. Mm. But it's like that, just because you don't know of people who are queer doesn't mean that they don't exist. And that was really important. I went to Nigeria recently and I spent some, like not very much time, but some time with people who are queer. And it was just really quite special. It was also difficult because hearing about their experiences of living there, one person said that they just genuinely live in fear. Like Mm. it was really quite upsetting. But at the same time, it was also special to feel like I'm in my home like as far as my soil, as far as my heritage is concerned, I'm in my mm. home and I'm with people who are like me. Mm. And I've been told my whole life that they don't exist. That's powerful. Well, the thing is the fact you're creating laws to outlaw mm. their existence mm. shows you how much they exist. Mm. But bearing, following on from what you've said, what strikes me is that, I mean, I think, I think since 2007, all the like the Pew Global Attitudes Survey, you know, I think the one that was done in 2007, there was another one in 2015, um, and another one and around attitudes mm-hmm. in Nigeria to um, LGBTQ 
um, community. And it's not wavered from between 90 to 95% mm. basically mm. opposed, whatever that means. Yeah, so yeah. the thing is, like with most things with stats, it's like when we did the survey, isn't it? Mm. They're out there, but then the next point would be, let's have a discussion about mm. it. And then from 2007 to now, 13 years later, you know that those stats would shift. Mm. Yeah. They're not shifted because the reaction is, let's outlaw it. Mm. Um, and so, fear-based. Yeah, so the, the, the difficulty of, of just being able to have the conversations with anyone, young people, older people, those struggling, not even fluid, you know, because now, you know, where we are, the debate is moved even beyond that, isn't it? Mm. Um, and so what then do you want people to get from watching this play? Because I think what's quite interesting is um, there's, there's a documentary, let me just find what it's called again, Under the Rainbow, mm-hmm. which is sort of billed as the first um, lesbian Nigerian documentary they've ever made. Mm. Um, and the it's a visual memoir by Pamela Addy who came out recently and she said look I made this film for Africans mm. from African mm. African continent and African people I'm not waiting for wait, haven't done it for the white gays as mm. such um, because ultimately you know she wants to accelerate acceptance and create awareness mm. and I'm curious about the fact that you've made the play in Britain mm. from a, imagine a black British Nigerian perspective mm. What impact do you want it to have? Is that does that resonate with you? What what are they saying about? Yeah. Okay, you know, yeah, I, I, I mean, bush theatre, but I know who I want to see this. Mm. And I know what I mean, impact I want it to have. One of the reasons that I'm so happy that it's on at the bush is because it brings in a black audience. Like I've mm. been in the audience yeah. and I felt at home. I felt like you know, my auntie's watching this with me, mm. um, and that's a really that's a really special thing for me that it's on here if it was on at the national theater at the royal court it wouldn't be quite the same mm. like i wouldn't be sure that like black people would come and feel welcome in the space mm. um so that's really important to me but yeah i mean you know anyone can come but i've written it for african people caribbean people people of the african diaspora really because you get the jokes like i think mm. it's really important that it's funny mm. because i think that is I have this theory. I don't think I've said it aloud yet. I was like, I watched a film, but I was like thinking about like laughter. But I think laughter opens people up. It opens up their emotions. Like if you make people laugh, then they're willing to go with you to other emotional places. And so for me, it was really important to make the play funny because it's really lovely to see yourself reflected. And when I told my mum about, like, she was asking me questions about it. She's a bit nervous about the content, but she was like, um, "Are there going to be Nigerian accents?" And I said, "Yeah." And she was like. Oh! <laughs> like, and I feel like I don't know feeling seen and represented on stage is really important and mm. it, you know there'll be hard bits there'll be you know places where a mirror is held up to people who are homophobic and maybe that won't be comfortable but also there's a lot of joy as well mm. so it's really about kind of opening a conversation about it as well yeah right? definitely yeah has your mum read the play no, no. so <laughs> your face like the first time she sees it will be when she comes yeah. to yeah yeah Fantastic. i also think actually it's quite hard to read plays i think it's mm. really difficult i'm somebody who read plays quite often but it's not easy i think mm. i would be terrified of anyone who doesn't come to the theater regularly reading my play yeah. because yeah. it you, you it comes alive it's, it's a different thing it's a living thing yeah, and definitely. a play You're, you've written it to live so mm. it doesn't make sense on a page i think yeah. i mean sure i know you've got a collective going you know what I mean? Um, of oh, black, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Um, of artists, of women, yeah. Um, black 
artists from yeah. across, across the spectrum. Mm -hmm. I mean, how important is it for you as, in terms of identifying as queer and being black and mm. being an activist and being an actor mm. and being young mm. um, and being visible or trying to be visible? I mean, how do you navigate all those in different spaces as, as an artist? Oh gosh, well, it's so funny. Sometimes you feel it, mm. and then when you feel it, you have to try and forget about it. But there is this thing of just all anything that you do as a human being, you just try and do it with integrity and mm -hmm. sincerity, and that's it. And you just hope that that covers all the bases because sometimes you can take all of that on, and it can be a lot. Mm -hmm. And actually, when I'm in the rehearsal room. I just want I just want to tell the stories honestly mm -hmm. and and sincere as as I can and to connect with my fellow scene partner on stage mm -hmm. in that moment that's all that matters yeah. that's all that matters and then when I'm depending on the space that I'm in if I'm giving support then I'm giving support it changes mm -hmm. so um you know that's what we said in terms of like you know the many identities that we carry mm -hmm. as as black women I think with this particular show I think what's so special is um, I think the fact that it's specifically black women mm. and it is a celebration of black queer love and it shows the the obstacles that 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 specifically with with that type of relationship that that um, we might go through. I my partner is a black woman, mm. so for me reading the play and being able to play Omotara all these things are so, you know, so, so I've had these conversations, <laughs> yes. you know, I've had these conversations, I've gone, you know, it's the coming out experience and kind of questioning, you know, is it a betrayal of this mm. community or that, com it's so complicated, but at the same time living, having the privilege of being in London and uh, it, it can be very com confusing and you almost feel like you're kind of, um, by being out in certain parts of your life you're denying another part of your yeah, life <laughs> yeah, yeah. but you know i think i think with um i always like to consider specifically black queerness as a complete disruption mm. um a dismantling and actually an opportunity to rebuild and i think that this is what the play the play does there's a lot of dismantling that has to happen for tara um, in terms of how she sees herself and also where she's placed herself in her relationship mm. with leah mm. um to know that okay we, in order for this to work we have to we have to kind of create something new which i think which is what queerness is about mm. you know specifically black queerness we get to take all the most enjoyable bits mm. you know like I, I, I was i was reading an article and it's um there's these uh, uh, YouTubers and um, vloggers who are, I love a good vlog <laughs> and um, they're called Frankie and Tia and um, they're a queer couple and they're married and they've got two kids and um, they said that we love ourselves so much that we can love each other mm. so much mm. and I think that for me that's what black queer love represents the love of the love of self mm. the love of the partner the mm. support system and the love of community mm. and that those all of those things happening simultaneously, the individual journey, and then also being able to pull apart, you know, the generational traumas that have happened or the patterns that have happened in our families, mm. you know, it, it, within our family, within our diasporic family and being like, okay, like I say, we can rebuild. Mm. The things that are helpful to us, the things that we want to use, we want to bring forward to the next generation, what are we gonna take forward? Because mm. a lot of the times we can do things in the name of tradition like what this play suggests and it's like hang on whoa breaks up here 
you know what what can we what can we take forward that is going to be helpful in the name of tradition and culture mm-hmm. and honor, honoring our ancestors which i think is so beautiful within if a tradition and mm-hmm. the whole thing of i am the father i am the the, the daughter of da, 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 who is the daughter of da, 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 who is the daughter of da, 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 da. and you can just reel off and i was like being of caribbean descent mm-hmm. i sometimes when i'm reading up on if a tradition i sometimes get so like overwhelmed because i'm just like this is so beautiful like mm-hmm. you can reel off like generation after generation Mm. after generation after generation after generation of of people that came before you and you know the whole thing of you don't just bury someone in the ground and they're forgotten Mm. you call on those people you call on those people who who loved you in life and they will love you in the afterlife Mm. and they're there to support you and they're holding you and i think that's why for me this play just kind of ticks all all the boxes. I actually really love the fact that you've got that element within the play. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say. Yeah. Supernatural element because yeah. it's such an important part in terms of thinking of our ancestors, mm. the uh, the influence they have, mm. and also um, you were talking about this idea of dismantling, mm-hmm. you know, and which is obviously what the play is, is talking about. I'm interested to, to kind of get your views on what we need to do in in the real world really to, to kind of spark this dismantling of some of these beliefs mm. i mean you know what what what's your kind of thoughts on that it's about conversations yeah, really I was gonna say yeah. it's dialogue yeah mm. and it's really difficult because i feel like i don't know i don't know if you've ever had to <laughs> try and talk to an african auntie or an african parent it is really difficult mm. like i feel like part of the reason i wrote the play is because i like there's no other way i can have this conversation mm. i don't think that i could you know when I, me and my mum have had various conversations but they don't go as far as they could because mm. there's a wall you meet a wall and um, I feel like a play is a conversation there's always mm. conflict, there's always dialogue, there's always debate um, and so that's kind of my offering as one way mm. but it's about finding your way into those conversations whether it is literally a conversation where you're like mm. hey <laughs> let's mm. talk about this but also it's also not just black queer people's jobs like mm. um that we need allies in the black community Absolutely. to like talk to their family about that. If someone says something that's homophobic, like bring it up, be like, look, why do you think that? Like, where do you think that comes from? Mm. Like, this is what I think about this. Um, because we can't move forward without everyone behind us. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, sparking off those conversations, as you say, mm. it's the only way to like change those censuses that mm. are saying that 90%, 95% of people are against things. Um, because people are dying. Like, mm, I can't go through yeah. my newsfeed without seeing someone beating up. Like, um, 47 yeah. gay men are on trial at the moment mm. in Nigeria. Mm. You know, it, it's, it, there is something, just the stats alone that you know, you know what, something is, is so beyond problematic here mm-hmm. that you need to look at because you're saying they don't exist, you're, try, you're criminalizing this, then you're gonna imprison someone for being. Mm-hmm. Who is, who, and the fact that no one, there's no, nothing in place to deal with or support any form of anti-discrimination, it is so debilitating. And the interesting thing is it has an impact on creativity. Mm. That's what people don't understand. Mm. It's, it, 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 you are stunting your own country's ability mm. to express. Mm. And also like, it's a victimless crime. Yes. I, I can't mm. call it a crime with mm. chess because obviously it's not, but like, in within those countries who is the victim like Mm. why like society as they would perceive it but it's like and also it a really important factor is that um 
I saw this headline, like, um, I think it was in The Independent, that, like, legalising same-sex marriage in certain countries, and to be fair, it was only, like, two Scandinavian countries that they did a study on, but that dropped, like, gay suicide rates by mm. a significant yeah, amount. And it's, that. like, that's huge. Like, it, the only victims of that of that those laws are queer people mm. because if you feel as though you can't you don't ha- have a life you can't imagine a future for yourself where you can be happy what what route do you mm. have out and there's a character in that's the play that really struggles with that and like tara and leah's marriage kind of becomes invested in so much hope because of that mm. um and so it like yeah changing attitudes and like imagining futures for black queer people mm. really impacts people's lives mm. because that's people's daughters sons mm. children mm. like mm. non-binary people it's it has a huge impact mm. um yeah i and, think uh, oh, sorry i was gonna say i think that's a really important thing to remember is i don't know i don't the last statistic i saw was like one in three pe- uh, people are like um identify as queer or mm. lgbtq plus mm. There's plenty Hello. in our families. Yeah. They're not just people that you see on the road. Yeah, you just kind of, or you, you know, you put on the TV and there's RuPaul's Drag Race. Like these, <laughs> these are these are people. These are you know exactly that mm. people within our community. Mm. It's not an us and them thing. It's an our mm. community, and I think that's that's what we have to remember in in terms of how we can connect and humanize because there's been so much dehumanizing mm. and that's why the moment you dehumanize someone that's why you can kill them yeah. and that's yeah. why you can create these laws and you put them below below an animal mm. you know um which makes it okay and you say you're doing it for religion but when the moment you say it's your child mm. the moment you say you know um you know it's my sister yeah. my brother my mm. sibling it becomes very different and also having seen and knowing that people will stand up and defend but also being in a situation where knowing no one's going to defend this mm. and if you do defend it in the moment you save someone's life yeah. to go back to your own family and for it to be under threat yeah. so I think that whole almost like policing with no one questioning why are we actually doing it must be disagreeing mm. with it but it's it's almost like having I mean plays like this having the conversations at some point there's going to be a, a seismic shift where people say you know what I'm tired of this because mm-hmm. I actually love my daughter I love mm-hmm. my son I want them to be happy mm-hmm. this doesn't make sense mm-hmm. this is incongruent why am I saying that I have faith uh, this is my religion it's supposed to be about em- empathy and compassion mm-hmm. and which then automatically disappears as soon as they I hear a word that doesn't relate compute with me mm-hmm. um, I want to come quickly just um, before we wind up about the drag king collective um and the and the scene that's here anyway Mm. and and again finding spaces where you can express and experiment and that's the key thing isn't it you need to be able to experiment to find out who who am i in this continuum i mean how what was the reception what what led you to 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 be co-founder of of that um it was literally just because i didn't know what a drag king was i was kind of out of curiosity like i was like oh what's what is what would like um sort of performing masculinity look like mm. mm-hmm. um and it's kind of funny because actually when i came out my mom was like yeah well i should have known like you never wore dresses and i was like <laughs> oh, uh, and i told a friend and they were like yes you do you wear dresses all the time like what is she talking about and it's, it's interesting like performing in drag and like really loving um exploring masculinity 
it was interesting because it made me realize how feminine I am and like I'm actually quite a femme person <laughs> and it almost led me on a journey of being like oh actually like I can be queer and be feminine which mm-hmm. is like a kind of weird like personal journey that led me on um but yeah it was kind of born out of a place of like this will be interesting mm. um and it because we did shows in various spaces we were able to create queer spaces for women and non-binary people um like wherever we went and that was really special because mm. i'd say in london there are lots of especially now they're like they're becoming more and more queer nights um for women but like in comparison to queer men that's like quite a dearth mm. so um <laughs> Yeah, it was like really nice to be able to create spaces in that way. Look, thanks for taking time out of your busy, um, deep, deep rehearsal. <laughs> Very deep. Um, you know, and, and just to say, um, you know, good luck with opening night for the high table. The high table will be at Bush Theatre from the 8th of Feb to the 21st of March before it transfers to Birmingham Rep theatre from the 25th of March to the 9th of April so if you're someone who says theatre is not for you would you please just rethink it and get your ass <laughs> off that sofa and go because I think this is definitely one to see look Temi Cheryl thanks thank so much you for your so time much, great guys. to see you thank you thank you thanks to you all for listening in to this latest episode of Black Love Bites where truth and love meet so it's goodbye for me and it's goodbye for me